Story seventeen of the Strength of Gideon and Other Stories by Paul Lawrence Dunbar. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Johnson Ham, Jr. Now anyone will agree with me that it is entirely absurd for two men to fall out about their names but then circumstances alter cases it had its beginnings in eighteen sixty three and it has just ended in the first place ike and jim had been good friends on the plantation but when the time came for them to leave and seek homes for themselves each wanted a name the master's name was johnson and they both felt themselves entitled to it when ike went forth to men as isaac johnson and jim not to be outdone became james johnsonham the rivalry began each married and became the father of a boy who took his father's name when both families moved north and settled in little africa their children had been taught that there must be eternal enmity between them on account of their names and just as lasting a friendship on every other score but with boys it was natural that the rivalry should extend to other things when they went to school it was a contest for leadership both in the classroom and in sports and when isaac johnson left school to go to work in the brickyard james johnsonham not to be outdone in industry also entered the same field of labor later it was questioned all up and down douglas street which by the way is the social centre of little africa as to which of the two was the better dancer or the more gallant beau it was a piece of good fortune that they did not fall in love with the same girl and bring their rivalry into their affairs of the heart for they were only men and nothing could have kept them friends but they came quite as near it as they could for matilda benson was as bright a girl as martha mason and when ike married her she was an even running contestant with her friend martha for the highest social honors of their own particular set it was a foregone conclusion that when they were married and settled they should live near each other so the houses were distant from each other only two or three doors it was because everyone knew everyone else's business in that locality that sandy worthington took it upon himself to taunt the two men about their bone of contention mr johnson he would say when coming from the downtown store where he worked he would meet the two coming from their own labors in the brickyard how are you mr johnsonham making it over your names well i don't know what johnsonham is so much of a name ike would say and jim would reply i lo it's more name than johnson anyhow so is stealin ham more than stealin was the other's rejoinder and then his friends would double up with mirth sometimes the victorious repartee was jim's and then the laugh was on the other side but the two went at it all good-naturedly until one day one foolish day when they had both stopped too often on the way home jim grew angry at some little fling of his friends and burst into hot abuse of him at first ike was only astonished and then his eyes red with the dust of the brickfield grew redder the veins of his swarthy face swelled and with a take that mr johnsonham he gave jim a resounding thwack across the face it took only a little time for a crowd to gather 
and with their usual tormentor to urge them on the men forgot themselves and went into the fight in dead earnest it was a hard-fought battle both rolled in the dust caught at each other's short hair pummeled bit and swore they were still rolling and tumbling when their wives apprised of the goings-on appeared up on the scene and marched them home after that because they were men they kept a sullen silence between them but matilda and martha because they were women had much to say to each other and many unpleasant epithets to hurl and hurl again across the two yards that intervened between them finally neither little family spoke to the other and then one day there was a great bustle about jim's house a wise old woman went waddling in and later the doctor came that night the proud husband and father was treating his friends and telling them it was a boy and his name was to be james johnsonham jr for a week jim was irregular and unsteady in his habits when one night full of gin and pride he staggered up to a crowd which was surrounding his rival and said in a loud voice james johnsonham jr how does that strike you any better than isaac johnson jr asked someone slapping the happy ike on the shoulder as the crowd burst into a loud guffaw jim's head was sadly bemuddled and for a time he gazed upon the faces about him in bewilderment then a light broke in upon his mind and with a wooee he said no ike grinned a defiant grin at him and led the way to the nearest place where he and his friends might celebrate jim went home to his wife full of a sullen heavy anger ike johnson got a boy at his house too he said and he done put junior to his name martha raised her head from the pillow and hugged her own baby to her breast closer it do beat all she made answer airily we can't do a blessed thing but them they are johnsons has to follow right in our steps anyhow i don't believe their baby is no such healthy-looking child as this one is bless his little heart cause i knows matilda benson never was any too strong she was right matilda benson was not so strong the doctor went oftener to ike's house than he had gone to jim's and three or four days after an undertaker went in they tried to keep the news from martha's ears but somehow it leaked into them and when jim came home on that evening she looked into her husband's face with a strange new expression oh jim she cried weakly tildy done gone and me just speakin had about a little while ago and that po baby left there to die ain't it awful never mind said jim huskily never mind honey he had just seen ike's face when the messenger had come for him at the brickyard and the memory of it was like a knife at his heart just think i said only a day or so ago martha went on that tildy wasn't strong and i was glad of it jim i was glad of it i was jealous of her having a baby too now she's dead and i feel just like i killed her s'posin god has sent a judgment on me s'posin he take our little jim sh sh honey said jim with a man's inadequacy in such a moment tain't your fault you never wished her any harm no but i said it i said it oh ike said jim absently oh fella 
"'Won't you go there?' she asked, "'and see if you can do for him.' "'He don't speak to me.' "'You must speak to him. "'You got to do it, Jim. "'You got to.' "'What can I say? "'Tildy's dead.' "'She reached up and put her arms "'around her husband's brawny neck. "'Go bring that poor little lamb here,' she said. "'I can save it. "'And ten to two. "'It'll be a sort of consolation for him "'to keep his child. "'Can you do that, Marthy?' he said. "'Can you do that?' I know I can. A great load seemed to lift itself from Jim's heart as he burst out of the house. He opened Ike's door without knocking. The man sat by the empty fireplace with his head bowed over the ashes. Ike, he said, and then stopped. Ike raised his head and glanced at him with a look of dull despair. She's gone, he replied. Tildy's gone. There was no touch of anger in his tone. It was if he took the visit for granted. All petty emotions had passed away before this great feeling which touched both earth and the beyond. "'I come for the baby,' said Jim. "'Martha, she'll take care of it.' He reached down and found the other's hand, and the two hard palms closed together in a strong grip. "'Ike,' he went on, "'I'm going to drop the junior and the ham, and the two little ones'll just grow up together, one of them like the other.' The bereaved husband made no response. He only gripped the hand tighter. A little while later, Jim came hastily from the house with something wrapped closely in a shawl. End of Story 17